0: It is working closely with our clients and partners, and we expect them to push us, because when they push us, they bring us things that we perhaps weren't thinking about, and we have the ability to
1: then innovate from that point. It's extremely important to keep on challenging all of our partners in the data inventory and DSP space to understand what their roadmaps
2: for the calculus future look like. Hi, this is Mark Iskowitz, editor at large for MMM, and I'm excited to be part of this sponsored podcast with PulsePoint. Four developments, changing pharma marketing, straight talk from leaders in tech and media. PulsePoint is a marketing activation and intelligence company, and as the title suggests, we're going to spotlight some trends and give a point of view on where the new opportunities are for pharma marketers. And my guests today are Andrew Stark, who's Chief Revenue Officer at PulsePoint, and Francis Daunt, who's SVP for Addressable Health at Kineso, which is a tech driven performance agency. Andrew and Francis, hello and welcome to the MMN Podcast. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. We'll just dive right in here. For the pharma industry overall, which of course, as you both know, is an industry that's generally pretty stable. It feels like we're seeing many different moving pieces and more disruptions and innovations specifically in the ad market, perhaps than normal. And I kind of wanted to get your you know, perspective. Do you think that's a fair observation? And why do you think that is?
1: I definitely think that's a really fair observation. So I, I've been in the pharma space on the addressable side for at this point, I would say seven to eight years would say that the pharma vertical at large has historically been a little bit more resistant to change, especially in those early years and we've seen a big influx of adoption of emerging channels like connected tv like digital out of home like audio a bunch of channels that are entering the space i think the reason behind that has been that there's been a lot of improvements in the tech and and what we're able to tap into so whether you're talking about it from a targeting perspective an integration perspective being able to work with all of those channels from a programmatic perspective instead of those historically managed service buys and most importantly measurement so I've always said that if we're able to prove the efficacy of any of these innovations that we're doing for any one of our clients by proving out how it leads to the end business results that our clients care about, that's, that's the easy selling point to kind of you know, keep, on, keep on going down that innovative route. And because of all of those um, improvements that we've seen in each of those spaces being able to tie back something like a digital out-of-home campaign to true script lift metrics, we've seen a lot of our clients have a much deeper embrace of those newer strategies in the market.
2: Sure, and we'll talk more about you know the ability to tie back to the things that matter to industry like Scriplift and things like that in a second. Just want to make a little observation. We just kind of, according to our reporting, digital out-of-home ad market is growing by 26% annually. According to a Group M mid-year study, at $13 billion worldwide, the market represents 37% of all out-of-home, the study estimated. And at this year's CES show, what especially drew attention from the health media literati as we put it were the many digital out of home ad opportunities from in-car market to retail and you know we all have heard as you as you p- pointed out Francis you know what's happening with audio whether it's streaming on demand broadcast it's a really a resurgent area mm-hmm. of advertising attention pharma already has a big position in, in, in radio mm-hmm. uh, so this seems like an area they may get into and in retail uh, we know with w- what's happening with Instacart that kind of grabbed the show with their kind of real t- real time in-cart purchase advertising uh which which kind of has some health implications potentially, but also, you know, some downsides. So, but uh, Andrea, I wanted to go to you uh, next and talk about picking up where Francis left off in terms of, uh, you know, some of the developments that you wanted to build on uh, in the discussion today.
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I I think uh, what Francis is reflecting, uh, when we first entered the market five or six years ago, there was more reluctance. But in other verticals, there was a lot of innovation, and I think pharma wants to stay innovative. And so, what you're seeing to Francis's point, as the technology has proven that it will work well, what we're actually seeing is a lot of our clients actually pushing our innovation. So, when we first came in, you know, we were presenting innovative ideas to and technologies to our clients, and we, we, there was a lot of education there. Once some of the first adopters started using that, Uh, and results were seen, and significantly better results in in what they were trying to do because of the interoperability, measurement, uh, ability to coordinate across multiple channels. You've seen a lot of, uh, or most of the industry lean in, and now they're coming back and saying, hey, this technology is great, what else can it do? And that's pushing us to continue innovation. And I think that will continue and accelerate.
2: Sure. The advertisers are um, in a way kind of pushing the technologists to kind of figure out, as you said, how, how can we Get more involved here, you know, and uh, so again, it, it's it's surfacing more opportunities for pharma marketers uh, perhaps than we've seen in the past. Can you talk a little bit about you know addressability and you know another big development in the space which we've heard is of course uh, what's happening with Google retiring its cookies, um, which has created challenges you know around reaching audiences at scale.
1: Yeah, I can uh, I can start with that. I. You know, I, I think the, the whole cookie list future, the idea of that has been something that we've all been thinking about in the space for the last several years. It's it's something that has kind of been start-stop in terms of when cookies are actually gonna be sunset. So the the real positive of that is that we've been preparing for this for a while, right? Like we we have assumed that the cookies have been going away a lot quicker than it's actually happening. There's been a lot of products that have been entering the market to help with cookie-less targeting in the meantime. Um, I, th- I think what the most important thing to keep in mind for preparing for that future and one of the real value props that we bring from the Knesso side as a, as a data and tech agnostic agency is testing is extremely important and it's consistent testing and understanding what results you're trying to get. There's a bunch of different options out there, but again, trying to make sure that we have an understanding of, what is that scale drop-off going to be from moving from a cookie-based targeting approach to eventually a cookie based one? What performance drop-offs can we expect, if any? Um, what are the differences in match rates going to look like? And um, you know, in conjunction with that, it's extremely important to keep on challenging all of our partners in the data inventory and DSP space to understand what their roadmaps for the cookie future look like. And then I'd say the last thing is just understanding that there isn't a perfect solution out there yet where... No matter how prepared we are, as soon as all of the cookies deprecate, there is going to be some sort of drop off and adjustment that the market has to make. So uh, it requires a little bit of patience. And again, understanding that this is going to be a work in progress, no matter how prepared we are um, or how prepared we might think we are.
2: Sure. And and. Obviously, that points up the need, as you put it, for first-party data solutions and contextual um, solutions. And, you know, our own survey work has shown that the pharma industry is just kind of getting to grips with the need to build custom audiences. But what, what is the, just to put a finer point on it, you know, before we move off of this point, what what is the impact on addressability?
0: Well, I, I think, in fact, what this move will lead to is more accuracy. And from our perspective, if you look at our company, uh, PulsePoint, which is part of Internet Brands or WebMD and Medscape, we have access to a lot of first-party data. This really puts sort of more power back in the hands of the publisher and, more importantly, the consumer. And so I think what you're going to see is, uh, yes, there's going to be drop-off, but I, I think we will solve this problem over time as an industry. But ultimately, what that will lead to, is person-based targeting, which will be much more accurate versus you know, sort of just like a cookie identity that's out there and, and it's more anonymous. This is going to be linked more directly to an individual's identity. Obviously, we have to maintain strong privacy controls as an industry, but I think it cleans things up and, and makes our technologies over time much more accurate and, and, and therefore they'll lead to better performance.
2: You know, switching gears now from addressability over to channels available to reach uh, audiences. You know, over a decade ago, we went from this predominantly TV, print, radio world to adding in the digital search social component, kind of more of that sort of approach. And it feels like perhaps the industry is finding itself at another crossroads in terms of the number of channels available with things like podcasts, CTV, digital out of home, as we spoke about, uh, being able to advertise on the EHR, and many more becoming available. Do you gentlemen see this as a challenge or an opportunity? And how are you helping clients address this uh, diversification?
1: I definitely see it as both um, in terms of a challenge and an opportunity. I'm. I personally am a lot more, uh, I, I would say I'm personally very encouraged by the opportunities that come with it. The challenge kind of comes goes back to what I spoke about um, at the beginning in terms of really making sure that we're embracing the innovation, really making sure that we have actual results to tie back to, to prove that these channels are driving the same sorts of results that you know clients have come to expect from display and other more traditional channels. Um, but the opportunity goes to what Andrew was just saying as well, in terms of we are going to be able to understand what patients and physicians are looking at from a full media funnel, full a full funnel media approach, um, whether that's you know broader awareness channels that historically have not been used as much, understanding how on a patient journey, they might be hitting different screens from out of home to an audio ad to seeing display ads that they're ret- retargeted off of, understanding what all of their actions look like on site that they eventually get over to. So um, to me, that's really exciting with Painting that fuller picture as someone with a very, you know, with a very extensive programmatic background, it also ties to um, the benefits that we're able to bring with frequency management, with fluid optimization controls within one platform, where if you have more of these channels available within that one buying method, um, it's able to understand how you're able to look at that audience holistically instead of just fragmented silos and, you know, kind of limiting media uh, inefficiency and waste along the way.
2: Great. And we didn't mention it earlier. Maybe you did, uh, Francis, but um, in terms of you know, when you move to this full funnel approach, which is built on more of this first party data approach that we spoke about earlier, it's also privacy, more privacy safe, right? Yes, definitely. Okay. Let's move over to uh, you know the, the, the third topic then, which is measurement. How's measurement changing and, and why should pharma brands take notice of that?
1: So the, the biggest change that I've seen in the measurement space is how, how quickly we're able to see real measurement, how quickly we're able to act on it. When I first started in the space and I was running campaigns, I would essentially have to have a proxy KPI that we were tracking, right? Like just trying to guess whether CTR would lead to higher script lift or something like a page view rate. We'd wait six to eight weeks to see, you know, across XTIFA report, it would either tell us that our hypothesis about what the correlation that we were, uh, that we came up with was true. Maybe it was partially true. Maybe it was way off, but by the time you're reacting to those, um, to those measurement results, two months had passed and you're basically reacting a lot more with a lot more delay uh, than what you, than what you optimally should be doing. We're, we're seeing a lot of partners and, you know, pulse point is definitely one of the ones at the forefront of that where we're now able to optimize in platform, make more granular and rapid decisions based off of how patients and physicians are reacting to our media. Not quite in real time, because there's always going to be a little bit of a lag for those, um, for those later metrics, but about as close as you can get. So I think measurement is changing because we're able, again, to, to react more intelligently and react more rapidly and drive those results for clients and have it tie up into stronger overall performance.
2: Sure. And um, Andrew, I'm sure you have a viewpoint on on this as well, because given that you run a marketing activation and intelligence company, are you seeing clients uh, kind of demand more of that uh, real-time measurements? I know there was a big movement in in point-of-care media toward auditing and accountability several years ago, which we all lived through, uh, but can kind of bring us up to speed there.
0: This is all connected. And when you think about omnichannel. The reason omnichannel is becoming more and more important and a buzzword everywhere we go is because, as Francis said, the technology is getting better. So, step one is, oh, our, our technology and other technologies can help me reach a doctor, for example, wherever they are at work, at home, all coordinated on whatever channel that they are on. Uh, you know, that could be social, that could be search. Uh, That can be through an email. Measurement is the key to this, though, because where that patient is um, or that physician has different value to the marketer, depending on what they're trying to achieve. And measurement ties that all together. And so if you think about things in this way, um, there's data. You have the data. You use that data to not only understand who your audience is, but but use it to build a a way to reach that audience. And then you have supply omni-channel that's everywhere. And then you have a technology that ties that all together. The last step is measuring that. What Francis wants to know is if I'm spending money one place versus another, what has helped me better connect with that patient or that physician? And has that led to a result? And the technology that we're building and others All is in that measurement piece and it is in near real time, as Francis says, which allows him not to wait eight weeks to see results, but optimize towards one of the channels or tactics or audiences that best suit what he is trying to achieve. And it it really is, if you think about those two things, Omni and measurement together, uh, you know, with the, with access to the right amount of channels, that is really the big innovation that's happening within the space right now that everyone is so excited about.
2: Is it like third-party companies that are helping make that linkage, you know, like IQVIA or Viva?
0: It's really about interoperability of data and supply. And and so to do this properly, everything needs to be connected and you have to have access to the data and the supply. In the case of a closed ecosystem, like uh pulse points, we have all of that first party data. We can yeah. leverage it to reach supply within our own ecosystem, meaning Medscape or WebMD, for example, but we can also use that data and those learnings to reach people anywhere on the internet or on social or based you know in email and those sort of things. So when we think about omnichannel, it is truly omnichannel. It's not just a couple of media channels. It's If we're following this patient and doctor around either through their health journey or a doctor during their day, we want to be able to unbiasedly deliver the ability to reach that person wherever they are and in the right moment, so to speak. If Francis is looking to reach a doctor uh, while they're relaxing for whatever reason, I can offer that to him. If he wants to reach that doctor on an EHR while they're at work, I can offer that to him. But more importantly, I need to show him the value of those two things in a measurement solution so that he can react to it accordingly.
2: Okay, great. Our last topic is around building longitudinal journeys. For our audiences, in other words, uh, delivering sequential messaging to eventually drive to a desired behavior or outcome, uh, whether that's, you know, switching prescribing behavior, um, script lifts, that's that sort of thing, I would imagine. Is this actually possible now? I think you, you both have been kind of alluding to that, but what are your companies doing perhaps to, to build these capabilities and help pharma brands or maybe health and wellness brands to achieve impact in those areas?
1: I think on the on the Knesso side, Andrew was talking about a lot of this just now where we're the, the more that we're able to understand the the differences in value between individuals within our audiences or different you know, our individuals at different types at different times of their of their journey, the more we're able to drive increased personalization and drive overall efficiencies. Right. So we're we're running some sequential messaging campaigns right now for a few clients across both the consumer and the HCP space. Um, and we've seen, we've seen massive increases in ROI that we're able to drive, um, again, limiting a lot of media inefficiencies, just understanding how to differently value someone who has maybe gone to the site and performed a specific action or been served an ad four times and not reacted to it. Those two individuals should be treated differently. They're still valuable in different ways, but not you know, they're not going to drive the same end performance. So um, a lot of what we're doing is focused on pulling in uh, triggers from on-site behavior, um and and using that to create more personalized creative journeys so um I, you know i think andrew was saying this earlier as well it all ties back to all of the topics that i've been discussing about today where it's it's the measurement it's the ability to reach everybody across all of these channels and then turn that into a personalized journey that is going to that's going to give us the best performance that we can
2: okay so um you know for an industry that has historically been really slow to develop as we started talking about at this at the top of the show it feels like uh as you put it we're running on steroids what can brands do to keep up you know to 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 stay informed you know everybody wants to know that uh their campaigns are incorporating the latest innovations um and to like how do you advise your clients and how to make investments in the right places Sure so um
1: I would say from the from the Knesso side what we what we need to make sure that we're doing is staying organized and staying diligent with the way that we' vet our our partners um there the you know the the programmatic space specifically is extremely dynamic there's always new partners, new solutions, new ways of looking at things that are popping up in the market and we need to understand what's out there and make sure that we're constantly reaching out to these partners asking for the product roadmaps helping shape those product roadmaps as andrew was kind of talking about earlier as well um, to either create solutions for the problems that we're seeing in the market or understanding what solutions are being created um, the other thing that i would say is we we really challenge all of our clients to have an open-minded sort of test and learn budget Um, whether that's, you know, whatever that number or percentage of media might be it differs depending on what you're trying to accomplish, but there needs to be, um, there needs to be a collaborative embrace of understanding that there are disruptive solutions entering the market. We need to test as many of these partners as we can to understand what is and what isn't working. I talked about that a bit from a cookie list approach, but I think that applies to everything in the space, whether it's a new platform that's entering the market. Um, you know, of AI being a big buzzword that, uh, you know, that everyone's talking about right now, different solutions around that. Um, so, so yeah, just having test and learn uh, an open mind and being able to tackle
2: that. Great. Andrew, you want to weigh in on that as well? Partnering?
1: Yeah. I mean, for us,
0: our partnership is about a technology platform that we are constantly building. So uh, to Francis's point, it is working closely with our clients and partners and we expect them to push us, because when they push us, they bring us things that we perhaps weren't thinking about, and we have the ability to then innovate from that point. Um, I personally try to attend a lot of conferences as well, uh, you know, read MMNM, sorry for the plug here, um, but, you know, also learning from each other. Um, you know, it, it, the there are, to Francis's point, so many new ideas, and it is, it is really smart to deeply understand what those opportunities are, learn about them, and then try them out. And then, of course, back to measurement, make sure you have a baseline for what you think success is, because if you're going to try something new, uh, you know, you have to anchor it to some kind of performance metric to compare it. But as I move around, I'm constantly challenged to make sure that I'm understanding what's new and going on. And so my, my own behavior is something that I recommend for everyone else, which is read as much as you can. Obviously, uh, Francis mentioned AI. There's so much going on there. It's really difficult to stay on top of it. And, uh, you know, because it's now just become a marketing buzzword, it seems like AI is being used in every possible way to enhance things. But The question is how much of that is actually leading to specific performance enhancements for what we're all trying to do as an industry. So I'm focused on and looking at that as we uh, move into that space.
2: Great. Would you gentlemen uh, be open to uh, spending the last two minutes of the podcast doing a a rapid fire kind of uh, uh, segment where I ask you about a marketing catalyst and you answer by phrasing your response in in boom or bust terms?
0: Sure. Sure.
2: Okay. So here's the first one. Pharma media in-housing. We've seen a couple of pharma companies completely in-house their their health media uh, and uh, media buying and planning capability or bust.
1: I am obviously very biased for this, but I would say, I would say bust. Um, like you know, like I was saying in the beginning, with the the amount of partners that sort of enter the space, there's and sorry if this is too not rapid fire. Um I think uh I think with the amount of partners that enter the space, it's important to have that level of agnosticism and ability to kind of pivot to different solutions within whatever those spaces entail. There have obviously been um, a lot of strong use cases for in-housing, like some companies have done it very well, but I, I think it limits the flexibility and versatility that might come with being able to work with a more agnostic partner.
0: Mark, I would say uh, if you're going to do it, you do need to replace that part of what Francis is talking about because most of the agencies are very dedicated to staying on top of every single new innovation, all the partners out there because they have to. So if you're going to in-house it, that needs to be part of your strategy.
2: Sure, absolutely. 2024 pharma marketing spend. You know, do you think it's going to be up, down, uh, in the middle, and, you know, again, boom or bust?
1: I would say from uh, from, from what we have visibility to, it's a a slight boom. Um, and I think a part of that has, again, been the the embracement of the newer channels, because we're seeing a boom specifically, I would say, for the connected TV space, kind of shifting out of traditional linear into... Um, into that channel. So not necessarily in terms of the overall spend, but for the amount of spend that's going digitally and going addressably,
2: I would say a a small boom. Sure.
0: I concur. I think that for the addressability engines, technology boom overall, not sure.
2: Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Great. Well, so many new ideas. Uh, And as you you both pointed out, learning about new marketing opportunities is, is, is more important than ever, but it's also become very difficult perhaps because there's so much going on, and those things that we thought were impossible, like with you know the introduction of generative AI uh, have suddenly become possible and uh, you know for those commercializing pharma brands um, it's really been it's really very important to keep up to speed so great to get your points of view on these things to that end. if anybody out there who has any questions you know can feel free to uh, contact Andrew or Francis through MMM. I hope we can have another conversation as you know these technologies you know become more well used within the pharma space thank you mark absolutely that was andrew and francis uh, it was a terrific conversation many thanks for listening come back soon for another one this is mark Iskwitz for the mmn podcast take care everybody